in your New Testament open to this place for our study this time, 1 Peter 1, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to begin by reading these verses. After the reading, we will dig in and study what Peter wrote to these suffering Christians. Applications will be made for us today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We welcome you to this video Bible class, and we want to begin with a brief statement of where we are in this study of 1 Peter. Peter was an apostle of Jesus Christ. In the second half of the first century, he wrote this to Christians in the regions identified in verse 1. The content of all of 1 Peter considered, the theme can be stated. These are words I have chosen to identify the purpose of this epistle, to encourage and instruct Christians for hope and endurance in their earthly difficulties. Reading through 1 Peter, we recognize these Christians were suffering. Peter supplies from God the encouragement, and the instruction they needed to cope with their difficulties, with their faith not just remaining or maintaining, but growing, making progress. Obviously, the teaching of 1 Peter can be taken to heart by every Christian today that will have that same good effect of hope and endurance and motivation through whatever difficulties occur. I want us to move further into this at verse 6, where it says, 
In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. When you make the choice to obey and follow Jesus Christ, that way of life makes you very different from people who have not made that choice. In the world around us, the common accepted idea is that suffering and joy should never occur at the same time. If you're suffering, you can't have joy. If you have joy, you must not be suffering. That's the ordinary worldly view. But the disciple of Christ is not living an ordinary life. We are not bound by the common worldly ideas. In a very real sense, as we follow Christ, we do not belong to this world. We are citizens of another kingdom. So Peter is telling Christians who are suffering to rejoice. Rejoice in what? Let's look back at verses 3 through 6 in 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So, the joy we are able to have in suffering is not that the suffering is great. It's that you know it will not last forever. But not only will it not last forever, there is glory in the end. Salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And look at this expression, praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember what we were discussing in the last class. That because we believe God raised Jesus from the dead, we believe the righteous will be raised to glory. We endure temporary hardship by concentrating on the permanent conclusion of life God has promised to those in Christ. Peter places great stress on this, and we will see this over and over in 1 Peter. Suffering now, glory then. Not only will the suffering come to an end, but after the suffering of this earth, there will be glory, the inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you and for me who serve God through Christ. The lesson, when we suffer here, we need to rejoice that it will not only be over someday, it will be followed by a glorious existence with God. And the greater your faith, the greater that hope and joy can be. And 
It is not incidental to this passage that Peter includes the phrase, for a little while. Now, that simply means temporary. We are here on the earth for only a brief time. Within our stay on earth, there will be pain, disappointment, suffering, persecution. It will not last forever. The faithful are kept by God, reserved for a better, glorious existence with Him after a while. Knowing that, we are able to rejoice even while suffering. I want to make this point. Joy is a product of our obedient relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Joy is a product of our obedient relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That was for my throat. As our obedience to God continues, so our joy can continue, even in the midst of grief. And nobody can take this joy away from you as long as you continue to be an active daily believer in Jesus Christ. What a valuable truth to take with you from this study. Verse 7, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't miss all through this passage that conveys hope to suffering Christians, the necessity of an active faith. Verse 5, we are kept by God through faith. Here in verse 7, another reference to the necessity of faith and faith being tested. In the first class that we had in this study, I said to you, if you want the hope given in this passage, you must develop the active faith that hope is based on. <clears throat> there is an illustration here having to do with testing or refining gold. It's very helpful. Let's talk about that a moment. Gold is one of the precious metals of the earth, but it must be refined before you can cash it in. And the refining process does two things remove impurities that might be mixed in and show the true quality of the stone that's being smelted. When Christians go through ordeals, in this case suffering for righteousness sake, in that testing our true character is revealed. If our faith is only a matter of talk, not walk, that defect will be revealed under pressure. If our faith is not rooted in the heart, <clears throat> reverent toward God, and obedient to Christ, that will be proved under testing. If we are proved and our faith shows itself to be genuine and lasting, even though we are tested by fire, Peter says we will be found to have lives resulting in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Clinton Hamilton said, A genuine faith revealed as such through proof 
comes to fruition in being approved, commended, or praised at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So, God can use trying circumstances here on earth to test our faith, and that testing can strengthen us and help develop us for God's good purposes. This is all developed also in Hebrews 12, in James 1, and in 2 Corinthians. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Concerning Jesus Christ, I want to take you now to verse 8. It says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Implied here, the very essence of faith as faith is presented in the New Testament, loving, serving, obeying a master you have not seen, believing and living without visual con confirmation, yet rejoicing with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Consider, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How many of you were there to see that happen? Adam and Eve transgressed the law of God. We did not witness their disobedience. The flood, the Tower of Babel, Abraham's travels, the assembling of the nation of Israel, their journeys and their end, Jesus born to a virgin, we were not present, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, for those Peter wrote to and for us, unseen. Yet, as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. God has supplied perfectly good and abundant evidence. We have read and considered the provided evidence from God. Hence, we believe the gospel. We believe in Christ. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11 verse 1. So 1 Peter 1 verse 8 is perfectly in keeping with what the Bible teaches concerning the very nature of faith. These people Peter wrote to believed in and loved one they had never seen with physical sight. They served and obeyed him and obeyed him by faith. In our time with television and internet video, even phones with video capacity, there's high interest in visual confirmation. We have something we call eyewitness news. There is high interest in visual confirmation. Faith in the biblical setting does not require visual confirmation. Faith relies upon evidence supplied by God. We do not observe Christ with the visual eye, but we believe in him just as though he were standing before us in person and we believe in him because of all the evidence God has supplied. In the absence of sight, believing in him, loving him, and committed to 
obedience. It says, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. I sometimes ask a class to make a list of the trials that test you, not so that you can read the list to the class or anyone, but for your benefit, journal your trials. Make a list of some of the trials that test you. Now, look at that list. First, whatever there is on your list, it is comprehended within the statement in 1 Peter 1, 6, various trials. Peter was writing to Christians who were being persecuted by the Roman Empire. We are not being persecuted by the Roman Empire, but the instruction about endurance and the promise of hope is not limited to persecution by the Roman Empire. The Holy Spirit gave Peter this expression, various trials. And James uses a similar expression in James 1 verse 2, various trials. I'm saying this applies to us even though our specific stress factors may not be identical to Peter's original audience. Don't read yourself out of this teaching. And then I want to say to you, take every item in your list and devote some time and pray about each one, asking for strength and wisdom. Later in our study, we shall come to 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. I want to read it now. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Knowing God cares about you, knowing that he cares about everything that troubles you, holds great comfort for you and for me. Remember, in all our earthly difficulties and disappointments, God wants his faithful people to know we have not been abandoned. While our immediate situation on earth may be very hard, we should go into every day knowing there is assurance of eternal peace. And God has given us abundant evidence and instruction and encouragement in his word. We commend to you the word of God.